Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us here for episode 202 with Don Hutchison. Don has many years' experience helping folks discover their talents and see what they're truly exceptional at. So you're going to learn one, approaches to get more insight into your unique talents. Two, how to break out of your bubble and expand your perspective. And three, the seven ways people get stuck. So if you'd like to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items that we've referenced here, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep202. And while you're at awesomeatyourjob.com, I encourage you to check out some of the handy resources we've got there, including the Gold Nugget email list. So if you wish you could take notes in these conversations, but you're driving or unable to do so, we send you the top actionable insights from each guest right to your email inbox. So you can sign up for that at awesomeatyourjob.com or right from your smartphone by texting NUG to 444-999. That's N-U-G to three fours and three nines. You can sign up quickly that way. Now, here's Don's story. Don Hutchison is a lifelong entrepreneur, inventor, author, and coach. He hosts the daily podcast, Discover Your Talent, Do What You Love, which he created to help people find their true talents and use them to build a career of success, satisfaction, and freedom. He's never had a boss and has created six innovative companies in advertising, publishing, coaching, and career planning, and now on the internet over the last 40 years. Here's Don. Don, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. It is my pleasure. I'm uh, delighted to be speaking with you, Pete. Oh, me too. Well, so I read a fun fact about you. You were a Russian linguist in the army back in the day. Any interesting tales from that experience? Well, it's interesting. This was uh, back a good while ago. I was an undergraduate at Emory and I'd always been a good student, but I, I just lost interest in school. And that wasn't a smart strategy. This was during the Vietnam era. And so my my uh, draft number came up. And so there I am. And uh, okay, well, I'm going to be drafted. I'm terrible at tests, but I took this blasted test that the Army gave. And the one thing I'm good at is languages. So I aced this, te- aced this test. And after basic training, I got to spend 57 weeks in uh, – Monterey, California, studying Russian instead of going off to Vietnam. Hmm. Okay, so you studied Russian, and but then what happened? What'd you do with it? Well, I well I studied Russian, which was wonderful. Yeah. And then I had to go to radio school, which was terrible because I'm not a techie. And after that, I got to sit in a cubicle um, for about uh, nine months in Germany and monitor Russian tanks in Eastern Germany doing maneuvers, and that's what I did and mm. monitored their conversations. <laughs> All those other things. If I told you any more than that, Pete, I'd have to send somebody to take you out because it's oh, not <laughs> I was hoping it would be declassified in the time that had, but to, did you hear a lot of Russian swear words and like lewd tales? I don't know what they no, talk I totally, about. I totally did. I totally did. I, I can think of one that comes to mind, but they're bound to be people that speak Russian. And I don't oh, know what they're right. Yeah, I heard a lot of Russian swear words. All right. Things about your mother and things that you can't possibly repeat. Okay. Well, we won't repeat them here. And I think it's interesting that you didn't like me on the radio because you're not a techie. And now you're over 500 episodes deep into your own podcast called Discover Your Talent, Do What You Love. What's the quick background on what that's about? 
I've been an entrepreneur all my life, and in um, but I've always been interested in what makes people successful or not. And I started to deep dive in 1988. That really ages me. And I just started looking into the things that people do to succeed and what they don't do. And that led me to forming a company. I was in the ad business, and uh, we built a successful agency. And after 10 years, I sold it and developed a whole concept around how to help people figure out how to be successful. And we did that for 11 years and helped people all over the world. And um, then we sold it in 2001 and I moved on. But when the podcast niche came open or when we understood the podcast niche, I thought, what an opportunity to revisit this problem, this issue of why people are have such a hard time finding their sweet spot. Why don't we do a podcast? And so we took all that knowledge and wisdom after all those years of 28 years and Put it into a show. Okay, very good. Well, and so we talked about knowledge and research. You know, we were chatting earlier, and what really piqued my interest was some of the deep, deep research that underlaid your book from a bit ago called Don't Waste Your Talent right. and the Associated Consulting Practice. And so please lay it on us. Like, uh, what are the discoveries into the human nature that you came up with as you were digging into that? Well, I'm sure you've taken one or, or many of the myriad assessments that have been developed over the, the many decades on about personality and interest and skills and et cetera, personal style. And they're really excellent. The one I discovered in 1988, and it's still going on today, 96 years later, was developed. It's not about any of those things. It's about how you're hardwired to communicate, problem solve, learn, make decisions. And it was developed at General Electric. And in the 1920s, you can imagine, over a million people have gone through it. It's still being used at a research foundation that's around the world. And I went through it, and it totally helped me understand, and at this time I was, uh, shoot, I was 40 years old. So uh, it it helped me understand exactly what my strengths were, what my talents are. And uh, again, not personality, interests, skills, values, any of those things, but actually how I engage the world. And so there's a pattern of about 20 abilities and you don't find them in a self-report test, Pete. You know, it takes 20 minutes. This takes three hours. Mm. And they don't. you don't check a box. You actually are presented with diagrams and sounds and images and different kinds of engagements that are very, very interesting. And after three hours, you then get a, shoot, as much as a 60-page report that explains you to you. And then you get a two-hour feedback by somebody who's uh, – highly skilled, oftentimes 25 years experience, understanding what this means to you and the kinds of roles and tasks and that will, will put you in the flow and will give you the greatest satisfaction. So that was the starting point. And then, but that's, that's square one. And then around that, uh, a brilliant psychologist and I fleshed out this, this personal vision part, which is taking into account not just your abilities, which are the starting point, but your skills, what you learn, your your passions and interests, your personal style, your influences from your family, your stage of adult development, your values, putting those into uh, this this whole strategic view of who you are and where you want to go. Most most programs are one trick ponies, and I I don't mean to be too hypercritical, but they start with your why and the. In my 29 years experience, you start with your who. And if you understand your who, then you can get to your why and what and how. Okay, there's so much to dig into there, Don. So let's see here. 
So if someone were interested in doing this three-hour Grand Royale, you know, investigation, where do they go? What's that called? How can we do it? Well, we're putting together this whole concept called the talent team. This is off of the two, two-year, three-months podcast, Discover Your Talent, Do What You Love. And we're, right now, <laughs> the timing is perfect because we're writing the webinar and putting together the, the uh, website. So if they want to do that, they can just contact us at our podcast okay. and get on a list. And then once we launch this, we can uh, tell them how to access it and there'll be all this information. And we're not just doing – we're just not doing that program. We're also doing a membership site that goes on for the rest of your life that helps you with these issues through every stage of, adu- of adult development. Intriguing. Okay, so for now, we just find you on your website, discover your talent, do what you love, and send a message. And soon, you'll have a whole rollout of all these goodies. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, that's nifty. So then, when it comes to the personal vision part, then, it sounds like there's a lot wrapped up in that. Could you maybe share, for those who are not going to take the time and energy and effort to do the assessment and such, what would you say might be some of the critical, you know, tests or maybe questions, indicators, reflection points that help a person really gain a great level of insight into their own personal vision? Well, that's a perfect question. The secret, and and again, my experience of studying this, and this isn't Don's point of view, this is, (laughs) this is Aristotle and Plato and the great psychologist and developmental psychologists and personal and brainiacs that have been studying these issues for decades and decades. I've just studied them all. And I've worked with other people who study them too in, in our experience with all these years. <clears throat> the the problem is that we we don't know enough about their about ourselves, as I said earlier. Drucker said most people think they know what they're good at. They're usually wrong. And it's my experience. We we we're so outer directed, Pete, that we we take so much advice from outside. My dad wanted me to be a dentist, mm-hmm. okay, because it was shorter than med school, and I'm 10% structural, that, which I found out in uh, freshman year in college, having almost flunked out. Um, we're so fear-based. We're so short-term oriented that we just this – this is a hard thing to say, but, but the reason that 86% of people around the world, according to Gallup's international survey, uh, don't find their sweet spot is because we just – we don't do our homework. So what we put together is a way for you to just look at yourself. Uh, there, you can do this. You can do this on your own. Actually, you can't do the assessment on your own, but there are actually ways to get a lot of that. If you look at yourself in terms of who you are and how you are in the world, your abilities, and then you think about what you've learned and the experiences you've had, and you pay attention to what motivates you from the time you were a small child, your interests and passions, and it was always in there, by the way, from the time you were just a, a little bitty child, to, to the kind of personal style you have and the feedback you get from people and the influences of family, good, bad, and indifferent, and it's a mix of those, what you cherish and hold dear, and then where you are in your and your, what age you are, all of those factors have to go into, uh, because we go through turning points every six or seven years. So if, if you look at all those factors, and there are all kinds of books, What Color Is Your Parachute does a really nice job of that. That's been around for uh, since the 70s. And there are others that are, uh, that are excellent. Not too many, actually, but that's, just, that's sort of the Bible of this. If you are willing to do that kind of work, starting ideally when you're uh, in high school, and with parents that will support you, or if you're pre-retirement and haven't done the work yet, if you'll do it, you're able to find a level of satisfaction and of fulfillment and performance that's unmatched. 
All right. Well, Don, that sounds awesome. I want that. That sounds great. So right here, right now, can you share, you know, what might be some of those first action steps or questions to dig into that begin providing this kind of illumination? When people ask me this, the first thing I say to them is stop. And they always look at me and say, oh, that's clever. What do you mean? And I say, well, as you well know, we're just so caught up. And I, I love I love technology. I'm on the internet and I'm a, a, uh, a big believer in it. But we're so caught up in so many external forces and so outer directed and so overwhelmed with technology and information that we don't get quiet. And if we're able to do that, Eckhart Tolle sat on a park bench for a year and a half. Um, we don't have to do that, but we sure, we sure need to take a little bit of time, ideally every day, to – it could be five minutes. It could be in your, during your lunch hour where you're not just hammering on your computer or talking to clients or friends, where you just listen to what per- percolates up. You pay attention to why it hasn't been going well in this role you're in or why it's been going sublimely well and you only get to do a little piece of it. Um, how – why you have uh, – uh, real success in certain settings and, and you feel invisible in other settings. I mean, th- there are just so many parts of this that uh, make up the intricacies of who you are as a spiritual, emotional, physical, intellectual, social being that to think that we can uh, take any assessment, that we can uh, get any kind of, of coaching or take some little quick course and figure it out is is delusional. You know, it may take months. It may take a couple of years. But what's the uh, what's the alternative? Being in that eighty six percent of people who don't uh, enjoy the work they do. Mm. Okay, duly noted. So stopping is the first ingredient. Just having some quiet away from the devices and some breathing and sort of observing what shows up for you. What else would you recommend? Well, uh, thank you for repeating that because I left off the, the second most important part, which is I, in my experience, journaling is. Um, is about as good as it gets. Uh, and I don't mean you have to become Ernest Hemingway or Sylvia Plath. You just, if you take out a, a notebook, some notebook, spiral-bound notebook, and if you can just, maybe it's at your office when you get in in the morning or by your desk, by your bedside at night, and if you could just take, it doesn't matter, Pete, if it's five minutes, three minutes, and if you could just, every day if you can, just jot down an impression Jot down a feeling, jot down an insight, jot down a blissful moment, a conflict, uh, an anxiety-riven period of time. And if you could just jot those down related to your work and your relationships and then, you know, take a look at them every every few weeks or every month, it's amazing what comes up. It's amazing what comes up because, again, we're so outer-directed and short-term oriented and and so logic-driven that we don't let our – if, for lack of a better expression, our beingness come into come into its own. And as, as I say at the end of each podcast, it's in there. It's in our DNA. We know spiritually, emotionally, intellectually, uh, physically, we know who we are and what we're supposed to do. But there's so much chatter that it's very hard for that to come to light. All right. So the journaling, these items are, are inner directed. I think that's a nice key there. So I might have an insight about fixing our garage door. <laughs> yes, yes. That's not what you mean, though. Yes, it is. Oh, it is. Okay. It's precisely <laughs> what I mean. If you fix the garage door and you come home for a, from a day of doing all the things you do with the wonderful business you got here and you fix the garage door and it, it, it just 
you get real quiet and it's very satisfying and you like taking apart the bolts and you like doing all this. And well, that's, that's going to tell you a little something. That's going to tell you something. Or if you're like my father was and he was always taking apart things, but he was so non-structural that he couldn't put them back together <laughs> because he's not structural. I, I can, all I could do one time I, in, in my, one of my careers as an ad guy, I had a really beautiful car that had all these functions and it probably would do 25 or 30 things. I knew how to turn on the, the ignition. Mm-hmm. That's all I cared about. And my partners who were had a different kind of background, they could make all the other things work, and I didn't care. So the reason I mentioned the garage door, you know, somebody comes home from work as a, as a lawyer or a psychologist or a sales rep or a nurse, and they really have great joy taking apart the bicycle that their child had a broken pedal on. Okay, what does that tell you? It means that there's a structural side of you that engineers and all kinds of other folks have that you might want to just give vent with a hobby or you might, you know, you might take on those projects. If you're in a marketing firm, that have to do with structural companies that have structural products because you're going to understand them, which will help the target audience understand how to use them. Does that make sense? Oh, I hear you. And if you used structural as a construct, uh, structural construct, a number of times <laughs> in terms of right. being high or low on it. I have a feeling you've got a framework in mind where there are numerous such constructs in which you might be high or low. Could you lay those out for us? Well, there are about 20 of them. And oh, wow. It's everything from – and this is, again, start, what started at General Electric. This engineer was asked – this Harvard-educated engineer was asked at General Electric, okay, who's going to make the best line worker that puts these products together? And who's going to make the best – marketing salesperson who persuades clients to buy GE and who's going to be a manager that can manage process and on and on and on. You name it. There were just hundreds of roles and pretty daunting challenge, right? You know, how in the blazes do I know? Well, he figured out by putting together over a period of a couple of years, these these things called work samples, where if you were a line worker, you were, you were, you were, uh, able to use your hands. You were able to pick up things with tweezers. You were able to do these minute details, or you were able to see things in three dimension. That's the spatial relations thing I was talking about, why you could fix the garage door, or why you could fix your child's bicycle, or why I couldn't be a dentist because (laughs) I'm not structural. And so he put together all these things, and they just kept perfecting them over time, and over time, and over time. And uh, just like I said, over a million people have been through it. And Probably it'd be tens of millions, but they're a research foundation and they just sort of just grow at their own pace. And um, we, you know, we got access to it and bought the rights to it and put it on a computer. So now instead of taking seven hours, it takes three hours, but you get to the exact same results with the exact same validity. Intriguing, intriguing. And so then could you maybe give us... I know 20 does sound like a lot, but I'm down if you are to maybe give us a 15 second teaser for just for us to maybe chew on and think about a little bit like, oh, hey, structure. Okay. I could see high. I could see low. I could see medium, you know, just based on me thinking about experience and activities. Could you indulge us with the 10 to 15 second definition of each of these? Well, I can't talk about all of them, but I can talk just for a second. Structural, for example, we've all seen Legos, right? Wiggly blocks. Okay. So if you take an image and you have an L-shaped wiggly block with a little extra tweak at the end for another wiggly block, and you put this picture here, and next to it are five other pictures. And you're asking – by the way, it's it's key to say here, Pete, that all these are timed. 
Because if you had unlimited time, you could figure out a whole lot of this. Well, you don't. You have 12 seconds or whatever it is. So you say, okay, here's an image of this wiggly block, blah, blah, blah. Now, here are five more. Which one is it? Because they're all, they're all put in different positions. Mm-hmm. If you have spatial relations visualization, think you see it in a second. If you're like me and you don't, you can't see it in 30 seconds because your mind doesn't grasp that visually. And it's the same for different kinds of logic. If you uh, – there's a thing called concept, concept organization. So you, you get a series of words and maybe it's farm and apples and cherries and uh, 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 sandwich and mayonnaise. And all these words are spread across the page. So you'd look at those words, but you'd put, to get, you'd put them together in a logical order in a matter of nanoseconds. And that's what lawyers need. That's what all kinds of different logical thinkers need. So you take that, the, that example and they, they go on and become increasingly complex. And you're, if you score high in that, that's literally how your brain engages the world. I mean, you know, the, the reason that lawyers are uh, – I coached lawyers and had a law magazine. The reason that lawyers are so effective is that most of them are high in this. And the reason that they drive us crazy oftentimes, <laughs> and I have a lot of friends who are lawyers, is because they're so high in this. They present everything in a linear, logical way, and you say, you know, I, just, I don't need the, you to tell me every little detail. Just give me the end result. Well, they've got to, they've got to lay it out, dunk, 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 dunk. and it's a great asset to them when they're, they're trying a case or solving a corporate problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. So in order to get after this, you know, you could take a, a big old assessment. You can stop. You could percolate. You can ponder. You can journal. What might be some other, you know, key indicators or strategies to go after in generating some extra insight? Well, you know, one of the, the greatest strategies is talking to people that are around you. It can be family. Got to be careful. There's a lot of supercharges there with family, good, bad, and indifferent, but still, uh, just get feedback from the people you work with, uh, from from the people that you report to, from the people that report to you, from your clients, uh, from people that you run across in life. And if you have a, a good trusting relationship, just say, "Well, listen, I'm in a I'm in a transition right now, and I'm I've been in this um, uh, technical role for a long time, and I, I'm good at it, but I'm just I'm sitting in this cubicle, or I'm working on these real dry projects and this research and data." And I miss I miss interaction with people. I miss engagement. I mean, am I good with people? Pete, what do you mm-hmm. think? And you say, Don, you know, you've never met a stranger. You're a genuine guy and you're articulate and you're interested in other people. You respect other people. I think you could talk to anybody about anything. So here you are in this cubicle being a um, whatever engineer you are because you went to Georgia Tech and you were good at that. But sure, yeah, you can do that. Or, Don um, – Hey, I love you, brother, but, um, you know, communications and empathy and connection aren't exactly your sweet spot. You, you cut to the chase real fast and you, you, you come up with the answers and you don't listen very well. And if you want to go into something that has more engagement with people, you might think about taking a course in emotional intelligence or you might, you know, you might learn why you're like that and then decide if there are parts of that that you can change or capitalize on. Mm-hmm. All right. Asking people. Great tactic. Maybe one more. I'm always pushing. I'm pushing, Don. You got one more approach to get a whole lot of insight? Yeah. Just read your brains out. Just read, 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 read whatever fascinates you in whatever area. It can be poetry. I mean, everybody's, every time I listen to another podcast and I like so many of them, there's so many good ones. 
everybody's talking about the the latest um, uh, sales book or personal development book or coaching book or uh, okay, that that's fine. And there there there's some good ideas there, not too many, frankly. But <laughs> well, I'm just being serious. I mean, it's just the same motivational rah rah stuff. And I was born motivated. I, you probably were too. Most of our listeners, most of your listeners, probably were too. I don't I don't need somebody to get me motivated and fired up with a lot of gobbledygook. I need to know about me and I need to get next to me because it's in there. So read whatever, maybe biographies are wonderful. I love biographies. I've read biographies from Churchill to Ernest Hemingway to famous actors and actresses and just see what, how people go along in their journey. I mean, we're pigeonholed so much in our education. I had a liberal arts education. I was lucky to you know, that I could, my parents could put me through that. And I think it's very important to have that. But it's also being caught in the matrix. It's still not a, in my view anyway, a broad enough view of the world to see how other people live. Travel, for heaven's sakes. Travel is is an incredible way to broaden your perspective, to to go to a different culture and live there for a week or two or three or, you know, take a you know, take a semester at sea or go to another country and study through your college or university or technical school. Mm -hmm. Just be open to the world. And, you know, I love America. I'm proud to be American, but uh, we don't own knowledge and wisdom and insights. All right. That's good. All right. Well, Donnie, I also have to ask before we hear about some of your favorite things. You have interviewed, boy, over 500 folks now for your podcast, can you share with me just one or two or three of the most striking transformational insights you've picked up along the way that made you go, whoa, and it really changed the way you think? What we see here, and I, I alluded to them at the start of this interview, is there are literally seven reasons that your listeners whether they're wanting to move to the next level or stuck or just want to do something different, there's seven re reasons they get stuck. And in, you know, 21 seconds, I'll tell you what they are. Let's do it. We don't know ourselves. We don't know ourselves. We simply don't. We don't have self-awareness about ourselves and there are ways to understand that. We get, we look outside. We get so much advice from family, coaches, friends, allies, bosses, HR managers that we just don't listen to ourselves. Um, Fear is the biggie. That's what we hear. It, 75% of our um, guests talk about fear. Hello, it's a complicated world. Change is hard. You know, we have responsibilities. We don't do research. I did a law magazine for five years that was about personal development. I can't tell you how many lawyers I interviewed that never had interviewed a lawyer before they headed off to law school hmm. or a judge or a, hmm. or a mediator. Can you imagine? And it's the same with all these other professions. So we start in the middle instead of at the beginning, and the middle is your why. Why is very important, but not even can't even touch your who. If you don't know your who, it's hopeless. The tools we have out there have, um, and I'm a marketing guy, right? The tools are one-trick ponies. Uh, as great as this assessment is that I'm talking about, it's only a starting point. It's the best one I've ever seen. But if you just take one of those assessments and then do a little coaching and think you're going to really have any insight, you're not. And finally, and maybe this is as seminal as understanding who you are, we don't trust our instincts. Mm -hmm. We don't trust our instincts. And uh, Einstein said, logic is a vital tool, an essential tool. This, these are, I'm paraphrasing. And our intuition is a sacred gift. 
we live in a society that worships at the altar of the tool and disregards the gift. We don't I, – I, I'm, I'm, I think logic's vital. I think our brain is, is, is an important part of, of, of obviously for who we are, but it's not all of who we are. It's not where our beingness, our soul, our, our higher purpose is. It's, that's in our heart and in our gut and in our whole being. It's not just the logic that that's resides in our brain. He, Einstein went on to say, I never came upon one of my discoveries through the process of, la- of rational thinking. Hmm. You can't. It's a computer. Your brain's a computer, so all the engineers and mathematicians out there are just choking on their Diet Coke. So sorry, but when you came up with that new equation, you didn't come up with it because you you have 145 IQ and you're logical. You gathered all the facts, and then you had to – and I'm not a, a neuroscientist, so I don't pretend to know how to articulate this per- per- perfectly well at all. But it comes out of all of that stored information and out of your subconscious and all the experience you have. That's where the ideas come from, not out of this linear logical process. Okay. Understood. Well, Don, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and talk about some of your favorite things. You know, just be gentle with yourself. Be good to yourself. Honor yourself. Just honor yourself. And, uh, and know that the answer is inside. It, it's there. You were born with it. You will die with it. And the extent to which you use it is really up to you and your own courage and and uh, ability to face fears and do all get, overcome those seven obstacles, I said. And you can absolutely do it 100%. All right. Excellent. Do you remember Scott Anthony Barlow from episode 181? Well, if you haven't heard that one, I would go listen to it because it is still one of my faves that I think about often. We chat about how to use the strengths you already have to get hired for a job you love. If you know there's more out there for you than your current job, Happen to Your Career helps you figure out your perfect fit and provides the roadmap to begin and complete that journey. It just doesn't work the way you think it does. If you're interested in career change, check out Scott's free eight-day video course to get started today. Visit happentoyourcareer.com slash awesome eight day. That's number eight. D-A-Y, to get the free course sent to your inbox. Well, now, Don, could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? Raymond Carver lived from 1938 to 88, famous short story writer that I'm sure you know, and uh, came up in really humble beginnings. And uh, he said, and did you get what you wanted from this life? I did. And from what I read, those were literally, literally the last words that he uttered before he died. Hmm. So, I, you know, I want to be able to say that too. So far, I'm not uh, close to that, I hope, but uh, so far, I'm trying my best every day to live that life. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. And how about a favorite book? I have two. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle that came out in 2001, which is all about consciousness, which is about stopping and being with yourself. And the other came out in 2005 by Paul Brunson, What Should I Do With My Life?, where this genius, Poe Brunson, who I need to have on the show, by the way, is uh, he interviews hundreds of people like we do on our podcast, but he goes and stays with them and learns their stories. And he's put down, I think there are as many as 60 or 70 in this book, but you just get an insight into people's journeys like we show on the podcast in written form, and it is just absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And how about a favorite tool? The only tool I use is... uh, is spiral-bound notebooks with uh, rolling Pentel writers. So I get away from <laughs> – I know it sounds wacky, but I use the – I use every – I've got uh, top-of-the-line MacBook Pro. I use everything. But I uh, 
I just really like to be tactile with the journaling I do and the notes I do and the strategizing I do. I just like to write things down. I still like the kinesthetic part of that. Okay. I work in 45-minute increments. We've had so many organizational consultants on the show on our Friday Expert interview. Amazing people, really. And uh, I realized I was just working and then wandering off. You know, I work for an hour and a half and wander, wander off for 30 minutes or something. So since talking about a year ago to one of these particular wizards, I started working in 45-minute increments and just working real focused, turning off any other distractions, email or social media. And at the end of 45 minutes, I work out for about 10 minutes on about at least seven hours a day. I do 50 push-ups. I do planks. I do yoga poses. And uh, so I end up getting about an hour workout in, but I don't do the one thing that scientists are now telling us is worse than or as bad as smoking. I just don't stay seated in my chair. I have a stand-up desk, and every 45 minutes I work out for eight to 10 minutes. And so in that eight to 10 minutes is the whole shebang with the push-ups and the planks and the yoga poses. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole thing. I've just got it. I've worked out since, you know, for 40 years, and uh, I had back surgery about a year ago, and Luckily, it wasn't too bad, and uh, but so I have I haven't been able to go to the gym and do all the squats and everything I used to do. But so I do curls and I do I do flies and I just a handful of things, and then I do these uh, push-ups and planks and yoga poses, and it works keeps my muscles toned. And uh, then I um, but I also do yoga poses, and I and I get in most every day with a sunshiny day. I get in a thirty-minute walk because that's important, and I get my vitamin D. All right. Thank you. And is there a particular nugget that you share that really seems to connect and resonate with your folks? Well, honestly, I think it's the close of the podcast. I mean, that, that uh, came out of the book, Don't Waste Your Talent. And uh, I think when when I say to people that every one of us is born with innate talents and it's in your DNA and you can find it, um, they know that's true. And if they don't know that's true, then they, they take uh, – sucker in the fact that if they'd like to find that out and they can explore. Mm -hmm. All right. And Don, if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them? They can go to discoveryourtalentpodcast.com and there's a contact page and they can just write us there. They can find me on LinkedIn at Don Hutchison, uh, DYT Career Podcast. And uh, I've, I've got thousands of friends on LinkedIn and, uh, yeah, would love to. Uh, I'd love to connect with them and get to know them. Okay. And Don, do you have a final challenge or call to action for those seeking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, stop. All right. Stop. Stop. Just don't settle. Stop and know that you can change it. You can absolutely change. I mean, we've all got problems. We had so many people on the show that have overcome deathly injuries or diseases or bad family of origin stories. I mean, just amazing people, almost 600 now that have actually been recorded. And uh, I'm just humbled every interview with what people are able to do with their courage and, uh, and wisdom. Mm, thank you. Well, Don, this has been enriching and a lot of fun. Thank you for sharing. I'm excited to dig into your stuff when it's all up and ready to go. So we'll definitely link that in the show notes and update that as you're updating. So let us know when it's up and out and good luck doing it. I am so delighted with this interview and I'm so tickled to know you and all the great work you're doing with the podcast and all your consulting. You're just doing very, very uh, groundbreaking work and I'm, it's a pleasure to know you. Thank you, oh, Pete. Well, thank you. 
I love the part about asking people. It takes a little extra dose of humility, vulnerability, strength to go after it, but the rewards are large. This reminds me of Tasha Yurik back in episode 159, talking about the moment of truth or the dinner of truth in which you ask the key questions you want to ask and you can get layers and loads of insights by going down that pathway if you just sort of summon the internal fortitude to go there. So I really dug that, but asking people who you think know, and then it can really open your eyes to some cool stuff in a hurry, just at the price of some interior strength. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we referenced, it's at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep202. And I hope you'll stick around for our next guest. It is Simon Bailey, and he is talking about brilliant living developing sponsors, folks who support you and say you're awesome and talk you up and how to make that happen. And he's got just a wellspring of positivity he draws from, which is really cool and inspiring. So I hope to catch you there. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.